0: Hi everybody at home, just honestly so brilliant to be with you this evening. Um, I, in a moment, I'm going to tell you my favourite story, and the reason it's my favourite story, story—what well, loads of reasons it's my favourite stories but one of the reasons my favourite story is it's about a father who has two sons, and I am a father who has two sons, and I thought I could introduce you to them in loads of ways, but this video clip is, the, is a video clip of my youngest, and uh, it sums up basically both of my lads. So uh, turn your eyes to the screen, this is... we um we're hoping he's going to be a footballer so he's got some of those kind of diving skills he might make the premier league one day you never know it's absolutely brilliant to be with you this evening um, let me read you that story about uh the father who has two sons um and if you've got a bible at home you can turn it on on the app that you've got or you can open your paper copy it's from luke Chapter 15. Um, If you're not familiar with the Bible, there's four books in the Bible that tell the story of Jesus. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the beginning of the New Testament, so about three quarters of the way through the Bible. In the middle of this book, written by a guy called Luke, Jesus tells this story. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. This is, in my mind, the greatest story ever told. It goes like this Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me, my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. "'I'm no longer worthy to be called your son.' But the father said to him, "'Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. "'Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. But this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what's going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he asked his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. I think that is one of the greatest stories, if not the greatest story ever told. And it's about relationship. This story tells us what the whole of life is like and what life is about The second thing I'm going to talk about this evening when I talk about what life's about is there's going to be some moments where we don't get in 2020 quite how significant they were at the time. If you were hearing this at the time and you were in the crowd when Jesus told this story, you'd be like, what? And so when I say, normally we'd be kind of in an audience setting, you'd be sat in Colchester Baptist Church and we'd be having a bit of interaction. Join in with me at home, okay? So when I say, what? I want you to say. Okay, so we're going to do a bit of that as we go through the story, because these are some shocking moments um, in this story as we go through. Okay, so first thing I want to say is the story begins beautifully. It says there was a father, a man who had two sons. I want to tell you this at the very beginning of this, this evening's talk, that you are created for purpose. You are created to be loved. You are created to be known. You are created for relationship and family and connection. Do you know, that's one of the reasons I think that this period has been so painful for us, because we've lost connection. You were created to be good, to be known by God, to be loved and know that the creator of the universe is with you. He's for you and he's on your side. Here's what the story tells us. What happens at the beginning of this story is that the man goes, the son goes to the father and says, I wish you were dead. What? What? Everybody, what? <laughs> what? I wish you. Very good, thank you. (laughs) Didn't see that coming, but great. Um, I wish you were dead because what happens is it doesn't say that exactly in in the in the in the story. But to go to your dad and say, "Father, give me my share of the inheritance now," is like going to your father and saying, "I wish you were dead." For Jesus to say this was a ridiculously shocking, mad moment. But here's the point of the story. Even though the son has everything, he has connection, he has family, he is loved, he is known, he goes off searching for more. And, you know, we are like the son in the story because we go looking for meaning and fulfillment in all the wrong places. The Bible compares us to sheep. Now, that is not a flattering comparison. The Bible says, there's a verse in the Bible that says we are all like sheep and we've gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not the most shocking thing you'll hear tonight. This is not a what? Moment. Sheep are stupid. And if you don't believe... (laughs) That sheep are stupid. And the Bible compares us to sheep. I know that in my life I can look for love and acceptance and identity and meaning in all the wrong places. I know that I can look for, for meaning and purpose just like Tundi in my Instagram posts, how many likes on my Facebook feed and, and, and how many retweets I've got on Twitter. I can look for my identity and purpose there. I can look for it in, in how well I achieve at stuff and how good I am at my job and when I was at school, how well I was doing on my latest essay. I can I can look for it in in a In all kinds of places that are just not right. It's not where we're meant to find our identity. And the problem for the son in the story is he does exactly that. He disconnects himself from the family and the place he's meant to know that he's loved and known and found. And goes looking for it in all the wrong places. I can be like a sheep. I can be like the son in the story. And so can you. Now, when I was younger, I, uh, I wanted a job that, that really made a difference in the world. I really wanted a job that involved working as part of a team. I really wanted a job that involved working outdoors. I wanted to be, ladies and gentlemen, a teenage mutant ninja turtle. And when I was like eight years old, this was my dream. I thought, this is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to be. And, and I don't know if you can see the guy on the left-hand side, Michelangelo. He was my hero. Now, when I was eight years old, I had no idea what a ninja was, let alone what all the weapons were. But I made one afternoon some nunchucks in junior school. And it was one of those days when uh, the, uh, the the teacher was away. I don't remember if you remember those times, but but I'm really sorry, Amy, but you're a teacher. I'm re- we're sorry on behalf of all teachers everywhere. I want to apologise from the bottom of my heart. But we had a supply teacher in. And it was one of those moments where the, the supply teacher comes in and the supply teacher wasn't very bright because she said to a room of eight-year-olds, what do you normally do on a Wednesday afternoon? And there was one geeky kid who was like, miss, we do maths. And we were like, shut up, shut up, shut up. We said, Wednesday afternoon is playtime. And and the teacher believed us, it was wonderful. And uh, so me and my mates, we decided we were gonna be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we made Teenage Mutant Ninja weapons out of Stickle Bricks and Duplo and whatever we could find in the classroom. And so I had these amazing nunchucks made out of stickle bricks and pieces of string. And I was in the zone, swinging these nunchucks around my head. And in my mind, I thought I was Michelangelo, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And then something terrible happened, and the string broke. And these two stickle bricks hurtled across the classroom, one towards the supply teacher. Fortunately, she was a bit of a ninja, so she did some kind of matrix move and the stickle brick flew over her head or something. The other one, sadly, went towards a girl who was in my class called Charlene James. And Charlene was not to be messed with. She had muscles already in places that I didn't even have places yet. She was the queen of the Chinese burn. She gave nuggies that would make your head bleed. And uh, she sadly completely missed the facts. And I was like, in this moment, I was like, no. Sticklebrick did hit Charlene James a little bit. And uh, what happened next is a story for another day. The challenges. That when we assume another identity, things begin to go wrong. And we can get our identity from all the wrong places. And this story is about that. We are all like the sun. We are all like sheep. The Bible says that all have sinned. The word sin just means missing the mark. It means getting it wrong. It means turning our back on God and going our our own way. We are all like that. But I want you to know two things tonight from this story. And the first is that without God, we are all like the Son. We are all separated. We are all lost. We all have a disconnection with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the Creator who loves us and knows us. But the second thing you need to know tonight is that there is nothing you can do to separate yourself from God's love. Because here comes another one of those moments. Because right there in the pigsty, there is a moment where this son is so far, so far from the family. So far from his home, it's impossible for Jesus to paint a further away picture because pigs were smelly. They were not just physically dirty and muddy and horrible. They were also spiritually dirty and mucky and horrible. The fact that the son wants to eat the same food as the pigs, Jesus couldn't have painted a worse picture. The modern day equivalent is is someone who is a, a mass murderer Or has done all kinds of horrible things. It's impossible to to paint a darker picture of what's happened. And yet there is a way home for the sun. And I don't know where you're at this evening in your relationship with God. But if you're sat there thinking, I've done something that will separate me from God forever. I want to tell you that it's absolute nonsense. Why? Because this story tells you that there is always a way back. Because what happens in the pigsty is that there are these beautiful words. It says, when he came to his senses. And here's the deal. We all have a moment to decide whether we're going to stay in the pigsty or choose to come home. And that decision is the most important decision you will ever make. And I want to give you an opportunity, if you've not made that decision to come home and have a life changing relationship with the God who loves you, made you and died for you and rose again, that you could be free. If you've not made that decision, I'm going to give you the opportunity tonight. And it is the most important decision you will ever make. You can choose to stay in the pigsty or you can choose to come home. And I want to urge you with all of my heart tonight to choose to come home. Because we've got this scenario the son's in the pigsty, the dad's at home. And you see, what the what the son doesn't know is that the dad's at home, and the dad's greatest desire is for the son to come home. The dad is not angry with the son. God is not angry with you. He wants you to come home. There's these beautiful lines in the story that say that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. You get the idea that, that the That the dad's eyes have never left the spot on the road where the son left. In the same way, wherever you are tonight, God's eyes are straining down the road for you. Desperate for you to come home. And the son comes to his senses. He makes a decision. He writes a speech. The father is watching and here comes the next what moment. Turn to the person next to you and go, what? What? Because what happens next is it says that the father was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. Now, this is an absolutely bonkers moment. This is this is probably the biggest what moment of the lot, because what happens is the father runs. Now, in this culture, at this time, men of the father's age did not run. It was considered ridiculously undignified. It was embarrassing. He would have had to hitch up his robe, exposed his knees. People would have been watching, pointing and laughing. It was incredibly embarrassing. The equivalent is someone running down Colchester High Street in a mankini or something worse. It's a horrible, horrible picture. But God's love is so great that when you decide to come home, his eyes have never left the road and he runs to you. And then what happens to the son? It says that the father puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, sandals on his feet, hugs him and says, welcome home. As I mentioned, and as you saw in a video of one, I've got two sons and uh, just like their dad, they are always hungry. And uh, when Caleb was a bit older than he was in that video, one, one afternoon, well I see morning, it was about 11.30, he comes up to the kitchen, and uh, he walks up to the kitchen and he says, mummy, I want a snack. And uh, Danny's in the kitchen. She's making uh, dinner. You know, it's 1130. Dinner's at quarter past 12. That's what time it is in our house. Caleb should know that. And Danny says, I'm afraid not, Caleb. 45 minutes. You have got away. No, no snack. We're having lunch in a bit. And Caleb goes, no, mummy. I said, I want a snack. He gets a bit aggressive and a bit kind of teenage above his years. And he says, I want a snack. And Danny, at this point, should have realised not to negotiate with toddlers or terrorists. But she takes her life on her hands and says, (laughs) no snack. This point, Caleb sees on the side in our kitchen a little espresso mug. Now, I love my coffee. I've got all the gear, no idea. And Caleb picks up this mug and he kind of weighs it in his hand as if he's kind of suggesting something to Danny. And he says, mummy, snack. And uh, Daddy keeps her, keeps her calm. She kind of turns to Caleb and says, No snack. And I hope you're not about to do what I think you're about to do. Caleb weighs the company's hand, throws it on the floor, and says, Mummy, I said snack. At this point, of course, World War III breaks up in our household. <laughs> And uh, Caleb is lifted, taken to, at that point it was the top of the stairs, which was a crazy parenting decision, but the top of the stairs was the naughty spot. We've learned from that. I don't think anyone fell down, but it's now the bottom of the stairs. Caleb's at the, on the naughty spot. I come downstairs. I'm like, I'm like it's World War freeze broken out. There's crockery all over the kitchen. Caleb's crying. I'm like, Danny, what is going on? And as his dad, I go up to him, and his face is red, tears are pouring down his cheek, and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he just says something really amazing and really profound without realising it. He says, I want to go home. And I'm like, you are at home. Get over it. And at this point, as his dad, he won't look at me, but I take his face towards mine. I turn it, and I look him in the eye, and I say, Caleb, I love you and I forgive you, and it's going to be okay. I don't know what you think Christianity is, but at the heart of Christianity, the beautiful, scandalous message of the good news of the gospel is that when we say we're sorry, when we're like the son in the story who comes to our senses, the father runs, and God's God turns our face towards his and he looks us each in the eye. God tonight looks you in the eye and he says, I love you and I forgive you. And it's going to be okay." See, we all know what it's like to be lost. There's the frustrated kind of lost where there's no one to ask for aid, where time begins to fade and you wish you'd stayed at home. There's the hopeless kind of lost, where the money has been spurned, where there's nowhere else to turn and your heart burns, your soul yearns for home. And there's no place like home. Home, the place our hearts are based, where our stories can be traced, where our bodies are embraced, our memories interlaced with the smells, the tastes of home. Where the warmth hits our face, entering familiar space and our pulse drops its pace, And we breathe because there's no place like home. And yet uh, we've never been, it seems, in our ontological time machine so far from the scene of our dwelling. We're wayward, willful, whimsical and wanton. We're so far from Eden, we're like an orangutan in Sweden. In our culture, we're like vultures, consuming media like it's roadkill, forming sculptures with home pages that will kill us till we realise there's no place like home. And yet there's hope for home. Because the desire isn't lacking like the prodigal who's packing and the homing beacon tracking us home. And the journey back's begun. The central heating's on. Your room is being prepared. The relationship's been repaired and grace is being spoken. The door begins to open. The promise is unbroken. Because the cry of the apostles, the deep incessant God pull, the call of the gospel is come home. And there's no place. Like, home. Do you know, for me, I, I, like many of you probably watching tonight, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents, both Christians, I was dragged to church from when I was, well, basically a fetus. And um, But for me, I, I knew the Christian stories growing up, but I made the decision. I came to my senses when I was about six years old and someone told me that God loved me. That I was, but I was a bit like the younger son. that I'd, I'd gone away from God and, and I needed to make a decision But because of that, Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago. Because he died a death on a cross, taking the penalty for all the things I've ever done wrong, all of my brokenness, all of my shame, all of my guilt. And then on the third day, he rose again to beat that and, and, and pave a way to heaven. And that meant that I could be forgiven. And I thought this was the best thing ever. I was six years old. I was even more excitable then than I am now. And I chose to follow Jesus with all of my heart. And that was me turning from the pigsty to come home. And for me, my story continued. When I was a teenager, I loved school, life was good, but the rubber really hit the road for me when I was 21 years old. I was at university having lunch with my mum and the phone rings and it's a family friend and, and she says some words I'll never forget. She says, Phil, I'm really sorry, but this morning your dad has died. I was 21. These words ripped my world apart. Dad was an amazing role model. He was an incredible friend and, and I had, a mo- I had a choice in that moment to say, "God, I either stuff you for letting this happen, or God, we really need you right now." There's this incredible verse in the Bible that says, "When your heart is broken, God is close to you." And in the thirty odd years that I've been following Jesus, the closest I've ever known God is in those first few weeks after Dad died. You might be going through some horrible stuff at the moment. Keep going. God is with you. He's close to the broken heart. One, another thing that's amazing about following Jesus is he gives us meaning and purpose in a world full of meaninglessness and hopelessness where we're lost. God gives us meaning and purpose. And I found that in, in trying to help other people understand the Christian story. But the rubbers really hit the road for me again in the last few years where my dad died of a heart condition and, and, and I've been diagnosed with that same heart condition. And there have been moments where I've woken up in the middle of the night with my heart pounding, not thinking, thinking irrationally and, and wondering if I'm going to die. Do you know, I can't tell you what a difference it makes knowing that God is with me in those moments. And I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. And my question tonight for you, wherever you're watching this and listening, is will you come home? Knowing Jesus really is the best thing in the world. Knowing Jesus means forgiveness for your past. It means God with you in the present. And it means hope for the future. You become part of the biggest family on earth. You get meaning and purpose. You know what's going to happen to you when you die. It's incredible, but it is not easy. It's not easy. In fact, Jesus said it was, it was more difficult to follow him than not. Do you know there'll be moments where you want to give away some of your money. Do you know it can be hard work following Jesus. It can be, church can sometimes be, be difficult. Christians can do things that are embarrassing. Difficult to follow Jesus, people will like you less. But, and there's this amazing moment in, in another story that Jesus, where, where has people have an encounter with Jesus, and and uh, and there's people leaving Jesus, and and, and Peter, Jesus has this fun, vulnerable moment where he turns to his disciples and and he says, "Are you going to leave me too?" And there's this guy called Peter, and Peter says to Jesus, "Where else can we go?" You. Have the words of eternal life. And I wish I could tell you this evening you could have it all. You could have eternal life and you could have forgiveness and purpose and meaning and family and all that stuff. And it would be easy. You can't. But my encouragement to you tonight is to choose Jesus. To choose hope. To choose love. And to choose to come home. Even though it's difficult. And so in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to just, if that's you at home, wherever you are, to say yeah, tonight I want to choose to come home. Maybe you've made that decision before and you know its it's gone wrong or you know you're not following Jesus at the moment and you're not doing your best to keep going with him. And actually tonight's a moment to say I want to come back home. Or maybe you've never heard this before. Or maybe you've kind of been aware of it, but, but your faith is lived out through your parents' faith or or maybe this is just totally new and you're like I want in I want to know what it is to have purpose and life and meaning and, and I want to know what it is to to know that all the wrong things that I've, I've, I've ever done have been forgiven by Jesus on the cross and because he rose on the third day I can know real life in heaven forever as well If that's you this evening I want to invite you just to pray a really simple prayer with me and say God tonight I want to choose to come I'm going to finish with these words from the dad who's talking to the older son. By the way, the older son, he's a bit lost as well because he's at home the whole time. But he thinks it's about slaving for God. It's not about slaving, it's about being a son. Father says to the son, You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate and be glad. Do you know, it says when someone comes home to God, the angels throw a party. And some of you tonight are going to make that decision to say, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to come home and, and the angels are going to throw a party. Isn't that great? But the reason the angels party. Is because the younger son goes from being dead to being alive, to being lost, from being lost to being found tonight. Do you want to go from being dead to being alive? Do you want to go from being lost to being found? If you do just want to invite you to pray with me. And just wherever you are, you might want to close your eyes in front of your laptop and say, dear God, I'm sorry where I've got things wrong. I know that I'm lost. Thank you that Jesus died for me and rose again so I can be forgiven. Choose to believe that tonight. But I also want to commit with all of my heart to following Jesus. To becoming more like him. To making a difference in the world. I want to choose to come home. I know it's not going to be easy. But I want to turn away from my own way. And go your way. Jesus. Amen. My encouragement to you tonight is that if you pray that prayer, the Bible says that nothing can snatch you from God's hand. And I want to encourage you to tell someone. You might want to put it in the chat. You might want to tell your family if they're Christians. You might want to get in touch with the with these guys and, and say, that's a decision that I've made. And they can help you follow that up and, and work out how what to do next. But you know what? It's been wonderful to be with you today thank you for having me all the way from Birmingham. God bless you. Have a brilliant rest of the evening. Thank you for having us, Tundee and Amy. Have a great rest of the evening. God bless. Come home. See you again soon.